You cannot say your side is right if you keep stacking the deck. What about the women who don't want abortions but are forced to get an abortion by the guy who got her pregnant? In a million, a million, the one villain Too hot to be in the kitchen I'll end up melting the ceiling This video is brought to you by Hobby Lobby Apparel Click the link in the description below Or go to the link down at the bottom of the screen Every time you shop, you support the show But you also get to look fly at the same time Whether you got pets, whether you got children Or you're looking for something yourself Hobby Lobby Apparel has something for everybody Now Let's get into the video. So I'm running across this video. I wake up and I run across this video by a guy on YouTube named Emmanuel Akko. I'm not too familiar with the guy, but apparently he's a somebody. Um, and this comes from his YouTube channel, Uncomfortable Conversations with Emmanuel Akko. And this one about this particular video is about pro-life versus pro-choice and I thought it would be fascinating to watch it on camera and give my actual feedback and breakdown of this video so I only watched maybe like the first 30 seconds of it and decided this is video worthy now if my audio is not the best it's because I just moved into my house and I have not had the chance to set up everything yet and it's going to be a little while before I can get there so I ask that y'all bear with me and really take the time to be patient on my whole process and getting my YouTube studio back up and running. Now, with that out of the way, I do want to thank my sponsor, ExpressVPN, for sponsoring this video. If you're looking to protect your online security and get three extra free months when you sign up for a 12-month program, all you got to do is go to expressvpn.com slash Javier to learn more. Now, let's get into this video, and I'm going to give my feedback on it. Let's see where it goes. I'm Sonia Richards Ross, four-time Olympic gold medalist, and in 2008, I had an abortion. Because I wasn't ready to be a mom, I was still passionately chasing my childhood dreams. My name is Dr. Yanni Abraham, and I'm a doctor of pelvic physical therapy. In 2021, I had to have an abortion to save my life. I'm Andrea Costa Ruiz, I'm a journalist, and in 2004, I had an abortion because I did not have the financial means to support a child. All right, so uh, two out of the three women, Two of them had an abortion because of convenience, and one of them had an abortion to save their lives. I put these women in totally different camps. One was a medical necessity. The other two was because they didn't believe that they had the means or wasn't ready for a child. So they decided to play minority report with their children and go ahead and convict them before due process. June 26, 2022, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, effectively ending 50 and years of federal court abortion. has overturned Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade has been overturned. A bunch of people who don't really truly understand what it means to Welcome say my body, my choice. to another episode of Uncomfortable Conversations with Emmanuel Acho. Once again, it... Okay, so his last name is pronounced Acho. My apologies about that earlier. But I'm going to give them a fair shake, and I'm going to try to hear exactly what they're saying, and I'm going to try to respond in the proper manner. Here's our world is growing further apart instead of closer together. So in this uncomfortable conversation, my intention is to ease the tension. And while we may not be swayed, hopefully through listening, you'll feel heard. And while we may disagree, we can collectively live in harmony. I'm joined by Pastor Chelsea Smith, TV host, MJ Acosta, Olympic gold medalist, Sonia Richard Ross, and Dr. Yenny Abraham. Okay, so this video is called Pro-Life Versus Pro-Choice. Now, if I'm not mistaken, three of these women had abortions, and 
there's this one woman who wasn't at the very beginning of the video who's a white Christian pastor or something of that sort. And I'm guessing that she's probably going to be on the pro-life side of it. But it would seem a little bit unfair to have three women who had an abortion who might support, you know, pro-choice and have only one person who's pro-life. But I hope that it's not uneven on the conversation. For many women, an abortion is either their best kept or depending on you look at it, their worst kept secret. Why is now the time for you to share your story? The moment I saw the news pop up on my phone, I thought of my past self, of that moment. And for the first hour, I felt sorrow for the women who, who are now in a situation where they feel helpless. And who nobody ever feels sorry for the fetus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But nobody ever feels sorry for the life form who has the potential to grow into an individual and decide for themselves what kind of life they want to live or decide what their future might hold. Nobody cares. Um, when we have this conversation, sometimes it's only focused on the women. And look, if you want to say that women are effect affected by this, I, I would absolutely agree with you, right? Apologies. I would absolutely agree with you, but here's the problem. Um, here's the problem. We cannot overlook the fact that we're playing minority report with the lives of our future generations because we're determining their value based on what we perceive to be when we don't know it. None of us know the future. None of us. So at the same time, we're deciding that that child's life is not worth having based on something we have going on, not what that child has going on. Don't know where to turn and who think that there is no option for them. And it shatters the deepest part of my soul for them. So this is the time, if not now, when. Take me back to the moment in which you had to make that very difficult decision of having an abortion. And how are you feeling now in light of the Supreme Court's decision. Yeah, I was about barely 20 years old. I think I had just turned 20 years old and I had just dropped out of college. So very much a point in my life where I was lost. My parents are immigrants. They immigrated to this country well into their 30s, leaving behind very good careers in their homeland for opportunities for me. So there was so much going on at that point in time where I felt like- I find it to be very ironic or very sad in a way to see that her parents made sacrifices for her future. Her parents went out of their way, gave up good jobs and took a risk so that they could give a better life to their future generation, which happens to be her. And she's benefiting from those sacrifices to this day. But a lot of times we're told that women or men shouldn't have to make those sacrifices for their seed, for their future. And for her to understand what her family went through in order to protect her and to allow her to, to follow her dreams, for her to take that from her own seed, it just screams contradictory or it just, it just seems like polar opposites in my opinion. Like I was already letting them down in so many different ways. Um, and then I found out that I was pregnant. And I just remember thinking, my parents did not do all of this to bring me here for me to now bring a child and for them to be in poverty, for them to suffer. And for See, she decided 
to thank for her parents. And even if her parents felt that way, what does that have to do with the life form growing inside of you? When did the life form growing inside of you commit a crime? When did it violate you? When did it hold you against your will? Because in all honesty, it's only there because of certain decisions that I'm, I'm sure you made. She didn't claim that she went through a rape or anything. And I'm just making an assumption here, but she didn't say that. And maybe it could have happened that way and she's just not talking about it. But what I find that she said that her parent didn't make all of those sacrifices so that she would be here poor with a baby. Well, once again, there are many women who have babies in very uncomfortable situations and it doesn't necessarily guarantee their poverty or guarantee that they're going to end up in a bad position. Like I said, it's playing minority report with children because we don't know what that future holds. Even if you look at it statistically, you don't know if your child falls in which statistic, either the good or the bad. I'm a walking example of that. For me to suffer along with them. And so I very quickly decided that abortion was the way for me to go. How difficult was that decision? There was a little back and forth because I remember when I went to go confirm whether or not I was pregnant, I had somewhat told my mom, like, I, my period is late, I don't know what to do. And I saw the result and instinctually she called me, like, did you find out? And I lied. And I said, no, I'm not pregnant, mom. And the relief in her voice to hear, wow, okay, she's gonna be okay. She doesn't, you know, that further affirmed, by the way, my family has no idea that I ever, Okay, so she said that she told her mom that she was not pregnant and her mom was relieved. Now, I'm very curious to find out if she would have told her mom that she did get pregnant, but she had an abortion, so the baby was no longer a problem. I wonder how the mom would have responded then. And I guarantee you, even she felt like abortion was dirty. She felt like abortion was wrong because she hid it from her family. Something psychological was going on there. And even women who go through these, these abortions, even the ones who decide that it was a great thing, even they psychologically know that abortion is not necessarily something to be celebrated. It, it's not. It's really something not. And you got to ask yourself, why? Why isn't abortion something to be celebrated? It's something fundamentally wrong. When human beings find themselves in a circumstance where killing their offspring is the only way to guarantee or ensure their survival or their prosperous life. And let's not even ignore the fact that there are women who grew up in much harsher situations and circumstances in the past. They didn't have AC. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have all of this technology we have now who still raised kids in those environments, who Standard of living was much less than what we have now, even for those people living in poverty. Ever had an abortion that I ever did? Um, what do you mean when you when you say your family has no idea? They don't know that I ever had an abortion. It was the first time I've probably ever said it out loud in a in a public wow. forum. There's outside of the people in this room, less than a handful of people know in my life. That Thank I did you for it. sharing that. It was just such an overwhelming thing to do. Okay, so I'll say this. I don't really care that she's coming out and talking about it and that's, uh, because a lot of women do, right? What I would feel, see, this is why I feel like there's a degradation of the family 
And you can carve that family up however you want it. Have your pick. Man, woman, two children. Man, woman, three children. Woman, woman, two children. Man, man, two children. However you want to carve up the family. A family can be bigger than that. Family can include cousins, grandma, however. But it's a, it's a strong community knit together by blood or whatever. However you want to slice and dice it. The fact that she would come out on a public YouTube channel and declare that she had an abortion without first talking to her family and friends and letting them know that way. It just seems like you would think that it would be the other way around. That she would talk to her loved ones, the people that she loves and loves her about this before she came out publicly about it. But we don't value that as much as we once did. Or we are moving further and further away from that concept. You usually trust the people closest to you and then you branch out into the community into the rest of the world but now we have things so twisted to where sometimes the world will find out something before your closest family and friends will at that age but i remember thinking this is exactly what i need to do along those lines i think i'm curious pastor chelsea and approach because now i will have to have a conversation with my parents but now how do i approach this conversation with them mm. that's a good question I will answer as a mom. Mama Chelsea. I bet your mom's first response is going to be, I can't believe you kept this support from me for all these years. I can't believe you carried this pain on your own without inviting me into it. You know, she's not the one I'm most concerned about, to be honest. It's my dad. He's very old fashioned, very old school, if you will. No, being pro-life is not old fashioned. Being pro-life is not, you know, a different era or a different generation it's not old-fashioned it's not we have to stop telling ourselves that accepting pro-choice is the new way of thinking or the new age no it's not being pro-choice is not the new age being pro-life isn't traditional or old-fashioned it's not see what's happening here is there are groups of people who think that their way of thinking is the future and it's progressive but guess what? Progress is subjective. It's not objective, right? So here we are thinking that something must be progressive if certain groups of people who call themselves this tend to want it. But they don't get to determine the, the standard for everybody else, right? He's not old-fashioned. It's throughout human society, throughout most of our time on this planet, People have valued their offspring because that was the way we ensured our survival. It's a necessity that nature has built in, not intentionally, but it's just the way it is. And those species that do not find a way to propagate and to get their genes into the next generation, they die out. That's not old fashioned. That's nature. And when something starts to go against nature and starts to deviate from it, we find all of these conflicts and all of these um, moments where either you survive or you die and as a father as a mother as somebody who has children I'm sure your father wants his genes to survive and get to the next generation of course he wouldn't like it that's not old-fashioned that's being human um, so he he's the one I'm more anxious about not fearful because he's 
my father, he loves me deeply and he will support me, I know, yeah. ultimately, but I think he will be very confused. What advice would you give MJ before having that hard conversation? Um, I completely identify with what you're saying and understand. I didn't tell my dad until I got ready to write my book. Wow. My dad, wow. Yeah, my dad had no idea. I'll never forget. It was actually a lot easier a conversation than I ever anticipated. Wow. You know, I went to him and I You know, I'm not a religious person, but I would definitely opt in for a moment in the afterlife where you have to sit down with the aborted fetuses and have a conversation with them and explain to them why they didn't get a chance to live. Explain to them why they didn't get their shot at success or failure. I would just think that if more people knew that they had to confront their decisions, like sometimes you make decisions and you don't have to confront the effects of it. But if a person had to actually confront the, 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 the millions of fetuses that never had a chance and had a shot and try to explain to them why they never got to graduate or go to school, why they never got a chance to, you know, date or to be in a situation like many of the mothers who got a chance to choose. You know, you shouldn't have to make a case to exist as a human being in a civilized world. And I was in really like I just felt so much pain, shame, hurt and everything. And I said to him, Dad, I never told you this before, but the day before I went to Beijing, I had an abortion. He said, what? Just like he's like, and you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me. And then he, I could see his wheels turning. He was like, that's why you didn't. You know, it's like he, he just started to literally live the experience for me all over again. And my heart broke. Um, and so, yeah, you know, he just, he was, he loved on me. He hugged me. We had a moment and I told him what I wanted to do with the book. And he, wow. he encouraged me. He was like, baby girl, he's like, everything we go through in life is for a reason. And if you just help one woman out there, it's worth it. And he. All right. So, look. I don't have any children, so I'm not in a position to judge how other people raise their children, right? Um, there are men who I consider to be subpar. There are men in the world who I consider to be the very opposite of what it took for us to survive as a species. Not strong, but weak. Not intelligent, but ignorant. Not don't have any standards, no any values. Everything is about where the wind blows. That's just why I believe in having restrictions and putting up boundaries in your life in order to allow you the most freedom in your life by making hard decisions that will benefit you later on, right? And I can never look at my daughter or my sister and give her the signal that it's okay to do to her offspring, what she did in the case of an abortion. And the reason that is, is because life is not about avoiding responsibilities. Life is not about avoiding consequences. Life is about building character. Life is about trials and tribulations and overcoming those things. And being great despite those setbacks. Despite those setbacks. And that's why some of the most amazing people you meet in life are people who went through horrible situations. That's why we look at success stories. We used to look up to the hero, the guy who overcame despite the odds. 
or the women who overcame despite the odds. But now we don't live in a day of the hero anymore. What we live in, in is the day of avoidance, the day of going around. And it does, it does something to the human psyche in America, in the world, where people no longer have a relationship with conflict and chaos. In order for you to gain something, you have to first wrestle with the chaos of the world. And you have to get a hold of it and shake something new. But we sacrifice adventure for comfort. And I really do believe that America is on the verge of collapse. The moment where we choose comfort over conquering the unknown, over adventure. Because there are still countries and there are still people out there who are doing just And they will discover something about themselves and something about the world that will give them the over us. Just, it was a much easier conversation than I anticipated. And I was afraid for many years to tell him about it for a lot of reasons. But I have an amazing father and um, he showed up for me then. 2008, yep. you were the Olympic favorite. Yeah. You literally did not lose one race throughout the duration of that regular season, yeah. if you will. You were headed to Beijing where the Olympics were to take place and you had to make one of the toughest decisions of your life. Can you take me to that moment? Some young girls might think of like their wedding day and you know, have all these different kinds of dreams. But from the age of nine, the one sole dream that always felt very real to me was becoming an Olympic champion. For me, in that moment, when I found out I was pregnant, right before I left for Beijing, I felt like I was in an impossible situation because I knew I was with my forever. I was with my soon-to-be husband. I knew I wanted to have a family with him, um, but I also wanted to be an Olympic champion more than anything. The day before I left for Beijing, um, I had an abortion. And as a this video is not pro-life versus pro-choice. This video is about pro-choice and um, just the wrong name of this video, because I mean, I'm still I still got time to go, but I'm still trying to figure out, like, uh, is there going to be a pro-life argument here to be made? I don't know, but look, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But here we have a woman who had to decide between giving birth to a child and going through a pregnancy or becoming an Olympic um, superstar or an Olympic gold medalist at the pinnacle of her success, right? So she went and had an abortion and she became an Olympic uh, icon or whatever it is that she did. I'm not really into the Olympics. I don't really watch sports like that. So, but whatever it is, that moment has come and gone. She did it. It's achieved. All right. Now, I don't know if she has a family now. But I can guarantee you one thing. One thing she does not have is that child that was growing inside of her at that moment. Whoever that child might be or have become, we will never know. We don't know. Maybe that child could have been an Olympic gold star. Maybe a doctor or a lawyer or a criminal. We don't know. But we don't know. And that child will never, ever get a chance to decide. So that she could get a trophy, an award. She, she gave up that life, that potential individual in that future for accolades to say, look what I did. I did it.
pat on the back. And then that's it. There will be other Olympic gold medalists after you. There will be people running that race as well. It happens. But it was worth taking the life of the child. Our women in this country would rather get gold medals and trophies than to protect the life growing inside of their belly. A mother's job is built in by nature. They want to protect their children. We see it so many times in the animal kingdom that need to protect your offspring. And father's jobs should be to protect his offspring. A father's job is to protect his offspring. And he can't even do that. Men cannot even protect their own seeds. A woman who also identifies as a Christian woman, uh, who tries to be Christ-like, I never ever thought that I would be in that situation. It was it. it oh, because I believe in the Bible, it says that uh, any man who uh, mistreats a child, um, anyone who uh, mistreats the least of us, the least amongst us, right? I'm, I'm paraphrasing at this point, but that person who treats the least amongst us will be considered least in the kingdom of heaven. Like. Um, you know, Jesus wanted to protect children. Jesus had a, a, a very keen inclination to protecting those who were the most vulnerable amongst us. The leopards, the, the, the maimed, you know, the, the harlots, the, the prostitutes, things of that sort, right? That's what the Bible teaches. So, we live in a day and age where being Christian can mean anything. You can be a Christian, have an abortion. You could be a Christian drink. You could be a Christian smoke. You could be a Christian curse. You could be a Christian do anything. We're getting to the point where being a Christian means nothing. It means nothing. Christian is just a word people use to declare their allegiance to some idea. It no longer means that I live my life in a certain manner in order that I may please the God that I serve. It's no wonder why Christianity is on the decline. It's no wonder why so many people are coming out non-believers. It ain't even for logic or learning something. It may just be on a simple fact is, what the hell does it mean to be a Christian? I am so tired of this. Just so many people, our presidents, our congress people, so many people claim to be Christians. But when you look at their lives, and then you compare it to what Jesus did in the Bible, and how he lived, I don't know where the comparison is. I really don't. But carry on. It's not my fight. But a lot of y'all Christians, that's y'all fight. And I've been seeing this my whole life. Especially in the black community. Tries to be Christ-like. I never, ever thought that I would be in that situation. It was, it, it still is really hard for me to talk about it. But um, I am grateful, however, that I had the choice. I am grateful that I had the choice. Because... Um, <laughs> Although it was very, very hard for me, and I think it was a big part of why I didn't win gold, because I didn't think I deserved it. Wow. So the one race I lost, the Olympic final, was the race I wanted the most when I lined up. I didn't feel deserving of why being Olympic. Why didn't you feel like you deserved it? Because I had just done the one thing I thought I'd never do. And I feel like good things come from God, and I didn't deserve that. Can you imagine standing on the start line, on the precipice of achieving your lifelong dream, and you know what you just did two weeks ago? It was awful. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I don't know what my life would have been like had I given up this dream that I had my whole life. I don't. I don't know if I would have been all of who I am today 
would I still have shown up in the world the way I do now? So then would you say or submit in the figurative sense your abortion also saved your life? Yeah. Her abortion, in a figurative sense, it saved her life. You know what? I drank a cup of coffee this morning. Saved my life. I don't know where I would have been if I didn't drink that cup of coffee. You don't know. I could have died figuratively. Figuratively. Um, are we claiming self-defense here? Are we claiming self-defense here? Are we saying that in order for my life to be saved, I had to take this life? So let's use a self-defense case, right? Is that what we're saying here? That self-defense is killing your offspring so that you may live. Even though your life wasn't currently in danger. We don't know, but we do know that you wasn't under the threat of dying at that moment. Unless you got rid of the fetus. Oh, why do we play these word games? Look, I hate having this conversation. I hate being the guy that's pro-life. You know why? Because no matter the arguments, no matter the logic, no matter the reasoning behind it, no matter the begging of saving lives of of white people black people his people it doesn't matter chinese people it doesn't matter what life it is right to see so many people go through backflips and hoops to justify this i just for the life of me the human species has decided that the killing of their offspring can be justified on so many grounds I, I fail to be able to recognize us as even being a species at all. This is something else entirely. Dr. Yanni, you are married, correct? Yes, I am. Um, what exactly is your daily practice? So I'm a pelvic floor therapist. And so what that means is I work with women who are dealing with bowel dysfunction, sexual dysfunction, reproductive issues. So this is pretty much up my alley. And so I see, I often see women who are trying to conceive and often see women who are not trying to conceive. So you literally spend every working hour of your day trying to help women conceive, yet you yourself had an abortion. She doesn't spend all of her time trying to help women conceive. She says she works with women who are trying to conceive and women who are not trying to conceive. So, eh. Why? So I was in this place where I desperately desired, you know, to be able to have a family, but for whatever reason, you know, God's timing, biological problems was stopping us from doing that. So, you know, we're finally in this spot and we've prayed a lot, we've waited, we've given ourselves time, I've given my body rest. I'm How she must feel, can't say it, can't be that type of person. How you must feel to feel as if God, that God wouldn't allow you to have a child for whatever reason. You prayed, you tried hard, you did everything. And yet you're sitting next to a woman who had a child, a child you wished you could have had and conceived, and she just threw it away. And also claims to worship the same God as you. How you must feel. I'm exercising again, I'm eating right. I mean, I'm good. And we get pregnant again. And this time around, it wasn't really because of any uh, medical intervention. So we were like, oh, this is great. This is perfect. I remember going for like three scans that week just to confirm and we could not find baby. And then it, eventually on one of the scans, we did see baby, but the baby was trapped in my tube. 
And, um, and so, so the first thing she tells me, my doctor tells me is, you know, I think that we are going to either have to have surgery or we're going to have to figure out a way to make this a medically sound abortion. And unfortunately, I was so already so far in the pregnancy that it was looking like that was not going to be an option for me anymore. And I was already eight weeks. And so if you know anything about um, ectopic pregnancies, typically they rupture on their own as early as seven weeks all the way up to 12 weeks. And so I was already in the very gray area. And um, I live in Texas. And unfortunately, this was right around the time that the six-week ban had started. And I remember having that difficult conversation with my doctor that, I, yeah, you have to have a medical abortion, but I don't think I can give you one. And I thought, well, this is life saving. Like, this is my life, you know? And she's like, I know, but I don't think I can give you one. And so. Why couldn't you? All right, I'm just going to sit here and point this out real quick. All BS aside, right? I don't play favorites with either side. I don't care, conservative or not. I don't play favorites. If a woman needs to have an abortion to save her life, she should be able to have an abortion to save her life. Regardless of what your religion belief says, regardless of where you're coming from it, logically, it makes sense. If a woman is going to die trying to give birth or because she has a baby inside of her, and we know that she's literally in danger of losing her life, she should be able to have an abortion. At that point, somebody's going to die. In some cases, both are going to die. Then you definitely have to make a decision. This is totally different than a woman who's having an abortion because it's convenient for her. All right. And I would fight tooth and nail with anybody who is trying to stop a woman from having an abortion in order to save her life. And I will protest and I will hit my I will literally have my voice heard and I will stand with anybody who's willing to fight that fight. Texas, Florida, it doesn't matter what state you're from. As a conservative, if a woman needs to save her life by having an abortion and her life is literally in danger, a law stopping her from doing that. Is idiotic. Your doctor give you one. Because she was afraid that either someone in her office was going to make a call and say, you know, there was a conduct that she, I, she conducted a medical abortion, that there was going to be a question of her medical reasoning. So we were going back and forth for two weeks, just trying to figure out how we could get this done. So suddenly she tells me, you know what? Just come in after hours coming after hours. It's her, one trusted staff member. They essentially give me the medical abortion. I go home for the whole weekend and I lay in bed for three days as the pregnancy passes. So you had to have an abortion in private? I did. She doesn't even know if she had to. They were trying to ask the question to figure out what exactly the rules and laws were and they weren't able to do so. So instead they decided just for the comfort sake, let's take extra precaution because of it, right? A doctor who performs abortions should be alert and aware of the abortion laws in their state and how it works. You would think if you drive trucks, you should understand the laws of the road and you should understand what signs mean and what height a bridge you can go under. It's your job to understand because it is crucial to your job. So in part, I blame the medical professionals for not taking the time to truly understand what they could and could not do. In that situation and there's probably more details to the story that i just either she can't tell or we don't know so i have to be a little hesitant on exactly how much responsible the 
medical professionals were, but based on what she said, I think that that's irresponsible. I did. Would you say that that abortion saved your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in her case, yes. In her case, yes. That does not justify the other two women. We're talking about blood loss. We're talking about fatigue, migraines, so many hormonal issues because you're literally going through a pregnancy withdrawal. So I think sometimes people underestimate. They think that, oh, there she's these silly girls making these flippant decisions. When sometimes Now she's conflating. Now she's taking her situation and she's conflating it out to all women who get abortions. 99, 98, 99% of the women who get abortion it's due to convenience. Most women get abortion due to convenience, not because of the situation that she went through. Now she's conflating, making it seem like all women are having these tough decisions to make and have to go through this. That's not true. And I'm failing to see where the pro-life argument comes in that because this is not pro-life versus pro-choice so far. And I'm already 11 minutes and 24 seconds into the video. And at this point, I'm not going to watch the whole thing if it continues this way. Sometimes we are educated, grown women who are making difficult decisions to save our lives. Do you feel as though more women's lives will be jeopardized by the Supreme Court rule? 100%. Emmanuel. I wonder, I wonder if Emmanuel is going to ask the question, do you feel like more baby lives, more lives will be saved due to this? How many babies will be born? Do you feel like that will increase? Do you feel like women who had an abortion, who regret those abortions, may not have to go through that again or may end up having that child and realizing, I'm so glad I didn't have that abortion? What about that side of the story? I'm not saying this side doesn't exist. But oftentimes when they say women voices need to be heard, they're only talking about certain type of women. They always do this, right? They'll say, well, we want women to have this discussion and conversation. Yet, they ignore all of the women who are pro-life. They ignore them. They don't get the much spotlight and the time to talk. This is a biasy going on. Of course, young women are going to grow up thinking that this is the most valuable option because everything you show them is women who are already pro-choice. They don't really get to see pro-life women get their voices in the spotlight as much as these women do. You're, you're basically creating a whole generation of women growing up only seeing one side of the story. Time and time again. You cannot say your side is right if you keep stacking the deck. You cannot say your side is right if you keep stacking the deck. And that goes on so many different issues and it differs between what the issue is and depending on what side of the hour you're on. It's already happening. So I see that a lot of women are delaying these life-saving surgeries yeah. just out of fear and out of all this back and forth. If I, if it took me two weeks to make that kind of decision last year, imagine what people are going through now. Do you feel like this recent decision? I want to hear statistics. She, she works in this field. I would like to know statistically how many women would have to be going through that. That would definitely be insightful. Definitely insightful. As an attack on women. A hundred percent. I do. And not because men, when a woman gets an abortion, men don't lose their child as well. It's an attack on women because when men have a woman who decides that she wants an abortion and he doesn't, he wants his child. It's not an attack on him. It's not. It, it, he doesn't matter. He doesn't get a say in the matter that his child would be lost to him because he doesn't get a say in the matter. Or what about the women who don't want abortions 
but are forced to get an abortion by the guy who got her pregnant. Who convinces her that she should go do that and that she regrets it for the rest of her life. Or that her family or her mom and dad decide that she needs to get an abortion because she's 17 or 18. And they decide for her. What about them? We don't talk about that because they're stacking the deck on this conversation. Nobody hears that. And I wouldn't implore that so many people who are pro-choice or don't even have an opinion on this matter. I would hope that you would hear this and think about it. If you're going to listen to this side, just please hear what the other side is saying. That's the least you can do with open ears. Just women, but women who are minorities. Here it goes, race. Yes. You won't be a minority if you have more kids. You know that, right? If you keep having kids, you might be the majority one day. But you're going to remain the minority because you keep. This is the most craziest thing to me. There is strength in numbers. And you can't get the numbers because you keep doing what? Attack on minorities. You're right, it's an attack on minorities. Because having abortions keep you the minority. Your attack is on yourself. Women who are poor, communities who are poor, that don't have the privilege of finding an abortion clinic, of affording an abortion, or- You know what? All right, I'm not a woman, right? But I'm, I'm about to be 30, and I've yet to have a kid. I've slept around, I've had many partners, and to this day, I have yet to have a kid. And I knew from early on that I needed to take precautions and extra steps to protect myself from that. Right? I, okay. Now, common sense would tell me, especially as a parent, if I have a son or a daughter, they're growing up, common sense would tell me, hey, if you're not ready for a kid, you might want to wait until you find the right person in your life and y'all get married and y'all get to a financial situation in your life where you can have a child. And maybe that's the best time to have sex, right? See, sexual relationships have gotten so complicated because now we have this hookup culture where people just want to sleep around and they think that the only price they pay is the risk of a risk of a child. But psychologically, how it impacts society, we see the fruits of that labor right now. We see the effect and the impact of it. And people think that there are never going to be consequences to their bright ideas and solutions, right? So what we have is I would tell my child, my sister, my brothers, Wait until you find somebody that you can truly trust that would be a good parent that you and that person could financially build and raise a child in a healthy environment. That's the best time to start engaging in a certain activity. I know that children, prefrontal cortex is not fully developed, so they make bad decisions, which is why we need a community and we need society to encourage that type of behavior. We need more and more people signing up to protect these young women from these guys out here preying on them trying to take advantage of their bodies. We need more people on the lookout for that. We need to be able to foster an environment where our children can talk to us about these things and we can protect them from making these type of decisions and these mistakes. But you got rid of all of that. They didn't want the, the nuclear family. They didn't want the community structure. They didn't want that. They wanted freedom. Freedom to do as you please however. And now we have generations of women who are constantly being put in this situation where they are faced with abortion. Were people having abortions back then? Probably. There were probably some women out there having abortions. Nowhere near the amount now, but they were still having them, right? But compare the numbers, 
How many women do you think would have to face getting an abortion if we lived in a community and an environment where people took an interest in cultivating young minds and teaching them why having sex is a bad idea before a certain point? Not to demonize sex, not to tell people when they can and can't have sex, but to raise them with a, a sense of value and what it means to give your body to someone. Or even just the access to the education of what their bodies do, of how their bodies work. There are so many women who, I've literally heard this firsthand, who have gotten pregnant, had no idea how. Because yeah. there was no education around them. Okay, that is not the majority. Most middle schools and high schools, at some point, you're going to learn sex education. And there are going to be some people out there who think that teaching about sex in, in school is a bad idea. I'm not necessarily on that train, but there are... I've heard people make the claim that when sex education was introduced in the schools, actually more teen pregnancy became a result of that. Now, I don't have the hard data in front of me, so you'll have to look it up. Um, but regardless of the, of the fact, once a, a child reaches a certain age where they start to get into the opposite sex or whatever the case may be, boy or girl, that's when I think it is more crucial to foster that environment to warn them off of, yes, this is happening. Your body's changing and you're going to have these desires or whatever. But understand that there are consequences to these actions. And I hope that enough people are having these conversations with their children to where it really drastically lowers those numbers. You can't make everybody do the right thing, but you can lower those numbers. Uh, I feel humbled to sit with such incredible women with such beautiful, courageous stories. And this is a pastor. Am I correct? Is this a pastor? Okay. Yeah. Y'all got y'all women pastor up here, so. In lives. <laughs> um, I also very aware that I'm a white woman sitting here. Doesn't matter. That whether it's, it's. Why does color even matter? Women get pregnant. White women, black women. It doesn't matter. Women get pregnant. So people always say women should be the ones having this conversation. Why does race clarify anything in this conversation and why did they bring on a white woman why not bring on a black woman then a black woman pastor i'm pretty sure you can find those the mortality rate of pregnant women of color or the amount of abortions that affect women of color is much more than white women and so i'm listening to that with those ears as well if we can all be honest and uncomfortable the church has been either extremely insensitive. What does it mean the church? There's so many different churches. You're talking about the Baptists, the Methodists, the Catholics, the Evangelicals. What, which church? All the churches? I mean, is there one church? There used to be, but there ain't one church no more. Or worse, they've been awfully quiet yes, right yes, now. Yes. Because if they really wanted to say what they really felt, they would be, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. And the churches who decide that you are, they just wouldn't be in line with the teachings of Christ. I really don't think they would be. See, why do you think that is? Mm. I can tell you why I've been quiet. I feel very humbled. Mm. And I don't know sometimes the fine line between humbled and humiliated. Mm. Um, All right, I'm not listening to this. I'm not listening to this white lady. I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not listening to this. This is, this is not pro-life versus pro-choice. This is nonsense. I'm not listening to that. I'm not wasting my time and energy Look, I, I listened to the other women, and then now she's supposed to be the pastor. I'm thinking she's going to offer something of like, okay, this is why I'm pro-life. And she's just here 
to basically cowtail. She's just here to brown nose. She's just here to basically justify abortion. That's exactly the vibes I'm getting off of that right now. Now, not only that, right? I'm gonna be honest, and people have to be honest. I, I I just got something about me. Do I wish I could be doing something else? Probably, but I just gotta be honest because it's who I am, and I guess I got down this cross, right? But this is what happens when men are afraid. Men are afraid. Men are cowards. See, people are gonna make the argument that. Who are you to define what a real man is? I never said a real man. I'm saying men are cowards. Men are afraid. Men have gotten to the point where they're afraid of arguing with women because they don't want to seem sexist or trying to control women. Guess what? You live on this planet too, dog. We share this planet together. Your voice matters, dog. And I don't care about what men did for centuries. You wasn't alive then. You don't have to accept what they did. You don't have to bow down because men that came before you abused women or mistreated women if you don't abuse women and mistreat women you're not responsible for that and you get to decide it right here right now to get your voice heard especially when women are suffering because of it abortion doesn't just impact men it impacts women it impacts kids it impacts our society and if we live in society together we all need to have this conversation and i refuse to be shut out of this conversation because i don't have a vagina and you should too. But a lot of guys are freaking cowards. They don't want to be called a sexist. They don't want to be seen as the bad guy. Right? But the only way for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Think about that. That's not a religious argument. This is not me preaching from the mountaintop. I'm humble. I'm a little guy. I'm nobody. All I'm saying is get involved in the conversation. Because if you don't, these weak men... As you can see, we'll allow this to continue. So, thank y'all for watching. Peace and glory, everybody. Subscribe, like, you know what it is. Do all the usual. Share if you find this conversation entertaining. Peace and glory, everybody. Be peaceful and be great. Till next time. One in a million, a million, the one villain. Too hot to be in the kitchen. I'll end up melting the ceiling.